Back in February, the federal government uh, announced that they were uh, adding a number of groups to the list of banned terrorist organizations. And there were some questions at the time about uh, groups that were left off of that list and something, I guess, the government was trying to partly uh, correct or address last week with uh, an announcement of four new additions to that list. Now, the list of banned terrorist organizations exists for a reason and has a, a specific purpose. I don't think it's meant to be a list of most wanted or our enemies list. Maybe in a way it is. Obviously, these are groups that we believe represent a threat to Canadian security. But much like we've seen in the aftermath of uh, that horrific attack in uh, London, Ontario, targeting a Muslim family, uh, you know, even understanding what constitutes terrorism is hate-motivated violence, terrorism, is, is hate ideology. There's certainly ideologies that involve and encompass hatred. So even on that question, what constitutes a terrorist group or a terrorist entity or a terrorist individual? Uh, maybe sometimes it's not as obvious as we think. So as mentioned, four new additions uh, to that list uh, last week, which includes an individual, I think the second time we have done so. So joining us to talk a bit more about the significance of some of these changes and what adding a group or an individual to this list accomplices, accomplishes, very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here this morning, Dr. Stephanie Carvin, who is a professor, assistant professor of international relations at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs, also author of the new book, Stand on Guard, Reassessing Threats to Canada's National Security. Stephanie Carvin, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on again. So we talk about this uh, list of banned terrorist organizations. As I said, I mean, there's, there's a reason we created this list in the first place. There's a reason why certain groups, or in this case, individuals, get added to it. So wh what purpose does it serve, first of all? Uh, well, a number of purposes. Uh, first of all, Canada is required by the United Nations to ensure that it is not in some way uh, funding terrorist organizations. And the United Nations Security Council, after 9-11, created a list of designated persons and entities to, you know, uh, basically try and stop the, you know, the flow of funds to these organizations to help, you know, stop terrorism. Um, so, you know, there is actually international obligations at play here. But then also, you know, it, it makes it easier, I think, that if you are trying to, you know, investigate national security and, you know, you're going to a judge and making an argument that you need a warrant um, to target someone because you believe they are, um, you know, going to conduct an act in the name of one of these organizations or that they're a member of one of these organizations. It, it makes it a little bit easier, right, from an investigative standpoint. And then thirdly, domestically, we also don't want to be uh, funding terrorism. So it, it helps basically the, the people or entities that are on this list are then um, sent to banks and financial institutions, and they have an obligation to try and stop any kind of funding. Um, so, you know, any individual who um, is a member of one of these groups uh, can be uh, basically, you know, they can't have a bank account in Canada. Right. So it's, it's a pretty dire um, if you are actually on this list, um, at least financially. I mean, you can't even like write checks. So it's, uh, it, it can be a big deal. Um, but other than that, it really, from an investigative standpoint, doesn't have a huge impact. Well, it's interesting because there was a lot of debate back in February, obviously, uh, about the addition of the Proud Boys and, and whether right. they met that threshold of actually being a terrorist organization as opposed to sort of being a problematic far right organization. I mean, do, do where, where is that line, do you think? 
I mean, that's just it. And a lot of people are asking these questions um, and raising issues like what is an ideology? What, you know, when can you say that someone was actually motivated by one of these things? When can you say, you know, these are a bunch of cranks and they're not? Um, so they're, uh, you know, it's not just a free for all uh, and right. it's not just politically motivated. Like, I think there's been a lot of allegations that people are saying, oh, you know, the Trudeau government's just listing um, far right organizations because they you know want to be look you know politically correct and things like that no i mean these organizations have to engage in kinds of violence that do amount to you know prosecutable terrorism offenses so um if you look at the listings they actually list the kinds of things that these organizations do they have to meet a certain kind of threshold importantly they don't have to actually be in canada because you know you're not just worried about activity here in canada you're also worried about canadian sending funds to organizations overseas. So a good example that I always use is Peru Sendero Luminoso, which I imagine most Canadians haven't even heard of, but right. they're a listed terrorist organization um, under under that listings process. So that's that's an important thing too. So um, yeah, it's not just a free for all. You do actually have to to meet certain standards of of evidence. Now we haven't really had too many cases where entities have tried to get off that list. There was one organization that did through political lobbying um, called the Mujahideen Ekal, which was a um, Iran Iranian uh, terrorist organization. Today it's more of a cult, but that's a whole other. Uh, radio episode we can talk about. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, so it, it, you know what? It is technically possible to get off the list, but um, yeah, once you're on there, it makes it very difficult because even getting you know funds together for a lawyer can be problematic. Well, and the other thing too, and I mean, like I say, I think part of the announcement last week maybe addresses some of the questions that came up in February because uh, even if you make a case then that the Proud Boys belong on this list, you've got other groups out there like Oath Keepers. Um, the Boogaloo Boys, Soldiers of yeah. Odin, uh, the Three Percenters, and uh, the latter, the, the Three Percenters, uh, are now on this list. But that's part of the challenge here because there's kind of that almost like an ecosystem, right, of this this kind of far right where you've got groups and in some cases like the Boogaloo Boys or even QAnon more broadly, you've kind of got movements, right, that sort of play into some of these groups. And it, it can become a tricky process in singling some of these out and, and adding them to the list. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, really, two points I've, I've seen raised. The first is that, um, you know, with Al Qaeda, you know, when we created this list, like it was in the is in the aftermath of 9/11, so we had a certain kind of terrorism in mind, and now we're kind of facing a different kind of violent extremism, um, one that's not motivated by like a a clear code or, you know, set of ideological beliefs, but more or less a series of grievances, conspiracy theories, racism. All these kinds of, of ideas that, um, you know, kind of become this murky soup of ideas. And um, so, so they kind of, these groups tend to come up, bubble up. And then because uh, they, they tend to be very fractious, they, they often fall apart very quickly and kind of go back into that ideological mix. So does that actually count as an ideology? That's one issue that you have there. And then the other one that, that we're really seeing right now is, you know, with regards to this process and where I have seen some concerns by, you know, groups like antihate.ca and, and other groups that kind of monitor the, the far right is that what ends up happening with these lists is that they tend to be backwards looking. So that, you know, the thing with the three percenters is that they were really big in Alberta about four years ago, but they're not as big as they, you know, used to be. And, and you know, so they're kind of on, on the downside, but so the organizations that were concerned about nine, uh, about now, pardon me, 
is the Order of Nine Angles, for example, is um, and they were responsible for um, a, a murder of a or a, an individual affiliated with that ideology was motivated by that ideology. He murdered a, a caretaker in Toronto at a mosque last summer. And then um, there's some indications that it may have been the uh, ideological inspiration behind someone uh, behind a, an individual in Texas who is uh, whose plot was disrupted. He wanted to shoot up a mall or Walmart rather. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is, you know, these are the, you know, the problem with this process is because you have to have a certain level of evidence is that they tend to be backwards, not forward. So you're not disrupting the kinds of threats that, you know, research in this area are most worried about. You're kind of uh, looking at, you know, these groups that were really violent, you know, three, four years ago. And as such, you know, there's a question is, you know, does this make us a little bit behind the curve when we're thinking about what threats are actually out there? Yeah, that that group, the the Order of the Nine Angles, um, they're a weird one. I mean, you you talk about MEK yeah. as as a bit of a cult. This this seems like one. Like it's kind of it's it's part neo Nazi, part Satanist. They, they seem like a very yeah. unusual group. It is it is super unusual. I mean, a lot of this comes out of you know we had that you know that discussion that question you raised and and that the first part of my answer there talked about movement a lot of these are coming out of a movement that's largely affiliated with a board called iron march right um and this is a kind of of neo-nazi white supremacy conspiracy driven groups and and they've kind of sprung off all of these fringe groups as well and order of nine angles is one of them and as you're right it's combined these kind of racist beliefs with kind of a satanic cult uh, neo-pagan view of the world and um, but they tend to be the ones right now that are the most violent and you know again that the researchers are our most uh, concerned with but I think you know this also goes to show is like how our understanding of what violent extremism actually is is, is evolving you know it's not just al-qaeda it's also these other groups that don't necessarily fit the mold of you know someone we who we considered a violent extremist even five years ago and you know that's in some ways that's positive because you know it goes to show that you know our you know we have to widen our understanding of of, of terrorism responsibly but the downside of this is that as you open up that category are there more groups who may not you know we may be less comfortable with being listed in this process too and we have seen some concern particularly from the left that you know as you kind of list more and more organizations are you just kind of entrenching a a flawed process or you know you have other people who are saying well perhaps it's flawed but it's the only thing that we have this is the tool that we have and we should be using all the tools that we have and if we can stop funding these organizations that's a very positive thing but you talk about the politics of it and, and hopefully it's it's not something that's that's being politicized but it, 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 I think inherently becomes political at some level because it's almost as though, you know, this is the list of groups we disapprove of. And and I think people take offense if a certain group is left off as though somehow we don't disapprove of that group or we're not worried about that group. Obviously, yeah. we can be concerned about groups and movements that aren't on this list, right? Obviously, this, this list exists and it has its purposes, but we, we can still be concerned about the Soldiers of Odin or the Boogaloo Boys or any of these other groups or movements that aren't on this list, right? It, it, I, I think, unfortunately, it's sort of been linked in, in the public perception in a way. Yeah, I mean, we saw this back in February, January, February, when, you know, there were motions passed to list um, more white supremacy groups, and that was debated in the House of Commons. And yeah, there was some concern about the politicization of the process. 
ultimately it is done by the security services, but a minister has to approve it, right? You can't ever fully take politics out of this. You do want someone responsible for this. You do want someone to have to answer questions in the House of Commons about this. I, I think that's really important to keep there. But you know, that's different. You know, political responsibility is different from politicization. And you raise a, a really good point. And we do have to be careful with that um, aspect of this, right? Um, you want it so that, you know, you can actually point to evidence. You don't want, you know, because if it's a politicized thing, you know, if you're in a group and you're listed as a part of this process, the first thing you're going to do is say, you know, at trial, let's say, well, I, this is a political witch hunt and this isn't uh, the case that, you you know, this is an unfair listing of the process. So, yeah, I think that's absolutely important. And then, yeah, on the other hand, just because a group isn't listed doesn't mean it can't be investigated. As I said right at the beginning of this segment, um, just because someone is listed, uh, sorry, just just because some, a group is listed, it, it has more of a financial impact on them rather than an investigative process, yeah. right? So, you know, it, it doesn't mean that CSIS can't look at you or what you're up to or the RCMP or even local law enforcement. Uh, it, it, it absolutely is possible. And I had, you know, the opportunity on Friday to actually put some of these questions to uh, officials at Public Safety Canada. And that's exactly what they said. They said, look, just because we didn't list Order of Nine Angles doesn't mean we're not concerned about them, doesn't mean we're not going to list, uh, you know, investigate them. It's just that we're, we're not at the point of listing them yet. Very interesting. We'll leave you there. Professor Carbon, always appreciate the insight. Thanks for making some time for us here this morning. Hey, thanks for having me on. All right. All the best. Uh, there you go. Dr. Stephanie Carbon, Assistant Professor, International Relations, Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University, and uh, author of a new book called Stand on Guard, Reassessing Threats to Canada's National Security. And yes, the terror threats that maybe we've, we've thought more of over the last 20 years, those still exist. One of the groups added to the list uh, last week uh, was uh, an offshoot or a branch of uh, ISIS. And so you still see many entries on this list that involve al-Qaeda, ISIS, Hamas, Hezbollah, uh, various forms of Islamic extremism. Uh, but as we know, extremism uh, comes in many forms. There are Sikh and Hindu extremist groups on this list. And yes, there are white nationalist, neo-Nazi, far-right extremist groups on this list, as, as there should be. Terrorism comes in that form as well. But some of this does seem a little arbitrary. Uh, look, at this group, the three percenters, as Stephanie Garvin points out, not quite as active uh, or big maybe as they were a few years ago. But one of the points made about the three percenters is that they were linked to that plot in Michigan to kidnap the governor. But here's the thing. The individuals who uh, have been uh, caught up in that are also said to be linked to the so-called uh, Boogaloo movement. They were also part of a group in Michigan, kind of a militia group called the uh, Wolverine Watchmen. So which of those groups do we single out and, and add to the list? And are, are any of these groups even meaningful in this context? It's more about kind of that, that ideology that these individuals have, have bought into. And how do you counter that? So some big questions there.